Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Hi, I'm Anna, and I'm a veterinarian. I'm coming to you live from my first vacation in five years. That's because now I'm an indie vet. They've created a whole new way to practice that truly puts vets first. So without any guilt, I can lay on this beach and know that back on the mainland, I've got the support of an awesome team, plenty of ships that fit my life, and the freedom that usually only comes with relief. So yes, I love my job, but I could really get used to this. Another Mai Tai, please. Indie Vets, a whole new way to vet. All right, welcome back in. It's another Carolina podcast, post-open week, pre-Georgia. A really crucial juncture of the season for South Carolina. First half of the season in the rear view. The rest of the season ahead. Not exactly half, but the way that I broke it down on my Monday Get Cocky podcast was that Carolina and what they have now ahead of them is not so much what they can achieve in terms of win-loss record because it's going to be 5-7 and seven or 6-6 six and six more than likely. But what they have now is several really, really good opportunities to get the marquee win that fans have been desperately craving. You know, the reason that Will Muschamp is on the hot seat in the minds of some fans is not because he's not been winning, because as we all know, he won more games than any other head coach in the history of South Carolina in his first three years. It is the lack of marquee win, upset over a top 25 team, however you want to characterize it. And Carolina's going to have three really earnest chances at that, four depending on how the rest of the season goes for Texas A&M. The first opportunity to get that done, to get that under Will Muschamp's belt, is Saturday, a game where Carolina is a 24.5 or 25-point underdog, depending on where you look. And... uh well, I'll just say the history isn't kind to South Carolina when they're that big of underdogs, I guess for anybody, but especially for Carolina. Um, but before we get into the Georgia game specifically, I imagine Carolina spent some of the bye week making some adjustments, assessing what they did in the first five games of the season, seeing where they need to get better, where they can get better. I think most importantly, you get Rico Dowdle back. Uh, Drake Davis also back at practice, as was to carry on Joyner. Overall, seems like the bye week went about as well as, it, or excuse me, the open week went about as well as an open week could possibly go. Little stat related to what you said, Pearson, in search of that uh, elusive road ranked win last time. Do y'all know? Let's take a guess. Last time South Carolina got a ranked road win, Wes, you do not qualify to answer. You probably read my piece. I read your piece too, so I also don't qualify. Dang but it. let's just give a five second pause for the listeners to guess. Okay. All right. It was October of 2013. How quickly did you count to five? It was he didn't quick. do five Mississippi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was like my 
three or four year olds five second count. It's like <laughs> yeah. go. Yeah, right, I mean, so who, did, who was that against? That was against Missouri. That was the Missouri game. Oh, the Connor Shaw game. game. Yeah. Uh, West didn't. The, the Andrew Baggett Thank game. you, Pearson, for supporting my work. Of course. <laughs> I retweeted it. Um, yeah. No, but, I mean, that that's pretty remarkable, right? So, I mean, South Carolina's had a lot of opportunities since then, and I'm going off on a little bit of tangent from, from what you actually asked, Pearson, but I will get there. But, I mean, South Carolina's had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They've had ten chances since then to get a ranked road win. Um, and haven't gotten it done. Now, a lot of them have been against, you know, not only top 25, but top 10 teams. Teams that have been in the national championship. Yeah, I mean, you, you've got you got two games against the number two team. You got, you know, two of them were against Clemson when they were number two, number four. You got a number five Auburn team, number seven Georgia, number seven LSU. So a lot of these are difficult games, right? And those rankings were at the time that they played them. You know, where they finished, I'm not entirely sure. But, yeah, so... It's a big opportunity, but it's going to be very difficult. I mean, this is not one of the the ranked team games, whether home or away, that you look at that say and and say it's a more winnable game. But it was key for South Carolina. The bye week came at a pretty good time for them because they do have some guys that they needed to get healed up. Um, Will Muschamp said during his press conference on Tuesday, you know that they got, um, you know, they sort of went into training camp mode. You're able during that bye week to sort of work on some things that your team needs to work on instead of just preparing for an opponent, which you're, you're just completely dug into that and installing what you're going to do and, you know, running scout team against what they're trying to do offensively, defensively, special teams. You can sort of focus on some things and get some guys healthy. And so uh, that was that was important for them to get some guys rested and healthy. I feel like the bye week came at a really good juncture in the season because obviously you've had the turnover at quarterback. And for Ryan Helensky, you come in and you're – you had camp and you had the spring to sort of get acclimated, start to learn the offense and things like that. But in terms of the actual rhythm of the season, he got put in as a starter and then he's immediately game planning for every opponent. So he didn't really get to take all those first team reps like he did probably last week uh, during the open week, which is, I think, important probably for a guy to adjust. Not to mention the, the practice time that he missed a couple weeks ago with the elbow. So just to get him back on track, to get him some more of those reps, I think was important. South Carolina's had three different starting fives on the offensive line in five games, which... I feel like hasn't been talked about a lot, and part of that's because, you know, one of those new starting fives is just a different starting right tackle. Uh, but that's a group where continuity really matters, and especially when you're breaking in a couple of young guys because Jordan Rhodes is still young. Javon Gwynn's still young. Jalen Nichols just started his first game. So another week to get those guys just reps, and then, like you said, those training camp-style reps is important. And then for the secondary for South Carolina, there's been a lot of rotation. Guys have played in a bunch of different places. Obviously, Jamias Williams is no longer in the mix. South Carolina only played five defensive backs against Kentucky. Was this an opportunity to get John Dixon a little more up to speed where they can start to play him as a sixth defensive back? You know, maybe someone like a Cam Smith or Shiloh Sanders is going to get 15, 20 snaps a game as a seventh guy as they start to fill out that rotation. And the other part, we heard Travaris Robinson say right before the open week when he did Carolina calls that Carolina may be switching to a little more 4-3 earnestly. So, you know, what does that also mean for the secondary rotation and the linebacker rotation? Is that I mean, more snaps for, you know, Damani Staley? Or, you know, where are the pieces sort of fitting? So I think this came at the best possible time. Yeah, and I think uh, sort of going big picture there, I, I'm very curious to see how – much they are able to sort of stick to this 4-3 defense that we we saw them uh, against Kentucky. And, uh, you know, that, that's one thing I've always sort of tracked, um, you know, when I'm re-watching the game is what their personnel looks like. And South Carolina just pretty much without fail has been a nickel team. Um, you know, maybe if it's a third and, third and short or something like that, but if the opponent has three receivers on the field – and a lot of times they have four receivers on the field. South Carolina didn't really play much true dime, I think, because of their lack of depth. But since Muschamp has been at South Carolina, they match personnel. If, if the opponent is in three wide sets, they're in nickel, which then gives them you know, the two corners and the nickel to match up with the three receivers, and you still have obviously two safeties to do what you want with them. But against Kentucky, I think for the first time, we saw a full-on shift to where South Carolina is leaving their 4-3 personnel on the field, even against three wide receiver sets. And, you know, what that has done as far as linebacker play has put Sherrod Green on the field more. It puts Jamar Brown on the field more as his backup. And, you know, I think some of that is that Sherrod Green is uh, is playing the best football of his South Carolina career, which is really good to see for him personally after he struggled, you know, last year. And – I'm curious to see, though, against 
teams, maybe with, with better receivers, better quarterbacks, certainly, if they're still able to do that. But it, it is interesting. It's an interesting shift in philosophy because for ever since the spread offense has become like the thing everybody does, it's been about let's get more athletes on the field, let's play more nickel. Well, South Carolina now has sort of gone the opposite direction and is saying, look, teams aren't throwing the ball down the field anyway. So let's maybe put an extra linebacker out there, see if we can stop the run, which against Georgia you have to do anyway, and then have better tacklers on the perimeter by having that extra linebacker. And the thing that I think is most interesting about this is South Carolina plays so much single high safety, which you know is going to be your cover three or your cover one man free most of the time, that when Jamie Robinson is on the field and they, they're in the 4-3, He's the guy that ends up over the slot receiver in man coverage in those calls anyway. So his, I think his versatility is actually what makes this potentially work even against some better offenses because it's not, you know, personnel-wise, you're removing the nickel and replacing him with a strong side linebacker, a Sam. But as far as South Carolina goes, if Jamie is now playing safety, you're actually – when he's down, he's still he's a nickel no matter what you call him. He's the same player. So basically, you're replacing what would have been a safety in the box in those calls with now a linebacker in the box on those calls. So I think that upgrades your defense, assuming you can still cover the guys on the outside. Against Kentucky, their problems at quarterback obviously played into it. It worked out perfectly. I'm curious to see if it works out against Georgia as well, or is this sort of a one-off? They they obviously want to do that more. more. Yeah, well, and, and we'll talk about that matchup specifically because uh, Georgia's the way Georgia constructs their offense is, is really interesting, and they're excellent. They average like just a tick under 44 points a game, I think. They run the ball for 250 yards a game or, or right about that number. And yet, I, I think in some ways, it, it is possibly a better matchup for Carolina just because they don't rely as much on explosive plays through the air, which is kind of how Alabama beat them. That's where North Carolina made a lot of their hay. I, I think, I think, and look, Carolina's going to lose this game, and they're going to lose it by a lot. Spoiler for like our buy or sell segment later. But I, I think, in like the matchup specifically is intriguing, um, and especially like you said, they're going to play more four three. And the other thing about Jamie Robinson, because I talked to Will Hums about this last week, his numbers have just been off the chart for a freshman, and it's been like somewhat limited action. But obviously, he's played enough to. To qualify, but yeah, I think last week it was like thirty snaps or something like that, and he's kind of been around that range. But he's just been he's been outstanding this year, which has been which has been really really fun to watch. That had to be thirty snaps in coverage, because or, or yeah, thir- it was like forty snaps. snaps overall, thirty in coverage, ten. In, I, I don't no, because he he's got to be he's in the hundreds, I think, on snaps overall. Okay, but if he's played five games and he's played thirty snaps in each of them, that's one hundred and fifty snaps. Okay. I thought you were talking about total. I didn't. Oh no no no! Sorry. Yeah, just sound. just in the Kentucky game, yeah, he was yeah. like in the he was in the thirties. I think, and maybe it okay. was he in played forty four against Kentucky. Forty four. Yeah. Okay. All yeah, right. I I didn't want to make it sound like we were saying he had played thirty snaps this year. No 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 no. Like he, he's played a lot. He hasn't played as much as as he's probably behind. If I had to just guess, I mean, he's obviously behind Horn and Mukwamu. I bet he's played fewer snaps than Roderick and then eBay. I'm not sure because eBay missed was it one or two games. So I bet they're. I bet he's fourth or fifth in terms of snaps in the in the secondary. But um, uh, one other thing that I wanted to mention before we get into a little buy or sell about the Georgia game, because uh, you had a good stat, Chris, and I got a stat. Okay. So not nice. only not only ranked road opponents, and this is like a little more specific stat, and there actually wasn't as big a sample size as I was hoping, or at least not that I could find. Um, I could actually only find back to 1998. Uh, but do you want to take a guess how many times South Carolina has been a 24? Point underdog or more since 1998. Oh, oh, geez. How many years is that? 20? That was like when Michael Scott on The Office, when they, I can't remember what the exact, it was on that one where Dwight puts on like the Hannibal Lecter mask. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, when they have the, uh, they have the, the, the CPR dummy and he yeah, cuts yeah. the face off? Yeah. 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 That was, <laughs> wait, <laughs> what said, about she that? Said, she says that? that you want to, you want to do the compressions at like 60 beats a minute or 30 beats a minute or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he said, how many is that per hour? <laughs> Jim <laughs> says, why, why would that help? Anyway, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> All right. So the question, since 1998, yeah, 
All right. Well, uh, South Carolina it. was bad then. Yeah. Like really bad. Yeah. Um, double but digit e- underdog. But even then, I'm guessing there weren't as many. Like the offenses just weren't as great back then. So I'm guessing that's a ton of points. I'm guessing there haven't been like back then. I feel like not that I followed gambling back then, but I feel like the lines probably even for overmatched teams were probably more like seventeen, eighteen, mm-hmm. nineteen, as opposed to twenty five. I mean, I'm gonna say. All right, so Clemson on the road, Muschamp's first year. Yes. I'm, I mean, I'm going to say five times. Oh, oh, I'm man. I'm going to say seven. Oh, God, six. Y'all split oh, the middle. How about that? Yeah, well done, y'all, though. Uh, there there was, it was like the Florida game in 98, the Tennessee and Florida games in 99, the Clemson game in 16, the Clemson game in 18, and what, maybe the Bama game? I can't remember. Was the Bama this game year? 24? It is right around there. Yeah, it may have been. Uh, but point is, South Carolina is 0-6 straight up in those 24.5-point games, which is like, okay, 25-point <laughs> spread for a reason. But do you, right, do you know yeah. what they are against the spread in those six games? It's 5-1. and one. Really? Pretty good at covering. Now, I mean, that is an ass ton of points. So which which one did they not? The one game they didn't cover was the Clemson game in 2016. What's that, 56-7? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, okay, there you go. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was I was trying to find stats on twenty five point underdogs, like just in, in, in general. general. Yeah. yeah, and um, this betting website I I was looking at, basically twenty and up, it says that the favorite has a hundred percent chance of winning, which obviously is not <laughs> is not you know it doesn't seem uh, completely accurate, yeah. but just that means the percentage is so small, right? It's not that yeah. it rounds up to a hundred, so. I imagine the number of 25-point underdogs who have won in college football history could be counted on two hands. Yeah, that's slim. That's it's a, it's a it's a small number, paltry. Um, and that I guess that feels about right. 24, 25. What what did y'all think the line was going? Where do you think the line was going to open? I I knew it was going to be big. I. I figured three touchdowns, you know, pre- fairly easily just because the game is in Athens. I-, I think if it was in Columbia, and I think with the way Ryan Helensky played his first road game at Missouri, the fact that this Georgia team, I mean, this Georgia team's really, really good, and they do a lot of things well. Um, you know, it's just, it's a tough matchup for anybody, but to to go in there and, and score with with Georgia against their defense, um, as much as their offense can sort of just can p- completely control pretty much every aspect of the game. I feel like if they want to, it's just a it's a bad matchup for for any team, but especially for South Carolina. So you know, I, I figured it would be in the twenties. I don't know if I could have guessed an actual number, yeah. but yeah, um, I, I would have thought maybe more around twenty. But that's yeah, South Carolina's got to show they can. I, I mean, I think we're getting to the point where. I'm starting to believe this team. I mean, every team's a little bit better. Most teams are a little bit better at home, but I feel like South Carolina has certainly played better at Williams Bryce Stadium than they have away from Williams Bryce Stadium. So, um, <clears throat> to me, that sort of plays into this as well. So let's get into, I guess, some matchups and some I don't know roundabout game predictions vis-a-vis a little buy or sell, which is sponsored by the Bishop team. Chris, tell us about them. Yeah, Terry Bishop of Bishop Real Estate Group. Terry and his wife Becky. Uh, 36 years of real estate experience for Terry, who, of course, is a former Gamecock quarterback and a huge supporter of the program. Check them out at facebook.com slash the Terry Bishop team. Uh, Give them a call at 803-665-1442. If you have any real estate needs as far as buying, selling, investing, go with the Gamecock guy, Terry Bishop. All right, so I'm trying to figure out which one we should start with. Let's, um, Let's start with this. Let's say... Buy or sell, and I need one of you to look up for me, Georgia's exact rushing total in yards per game. So I guess not total. They're rushing average in yards per game. Because our first buy or sell is buy or sell. Georgia will reach its average per game rushing total on Saturday. I think it was it's right. like around 250. I think it was but it right be, at 250. Yeah, I didn't know if it was like 253 or something. Nope. It is uh, literally 250. Point, point zero. No way, really? Yeah, that's right fantastic. How about that? That's beautiful. I kind of hope they have exactly two fifty. 
Well, they can't have like 250.5 on Saturday, so that's good news at least. They only deal in integers. Um, Chris, are you buying or selling that Georgia will reach its rushing total of 250 yards per game on Saturday? All right. I'm, I'm looking at this because I, I like to try to think it out a little bit. Um, against Notre Dame, right, which is the – we all agree that's the best competition that Georgia's played this season yeah. so far. 153. And, yeah, 152, whatever. Damn it. <laughs> 152. Um, just some weird stat lines. I mean, 152 rushing yards, which is not great, right? Um, they rushed 33 times, 4.6 a carry, which is pretty good. For them, not wonderful. Um, and if you're Notre Dame and, and you say that Georgia, you know, if you're South Carolina even, and you say Georgia's going to run 33 times for 4.6 yards, they're going to gain 152 yards, you would take that all day, right? And Jake Fromm was very tidy. He was 20 of 26 in that game. Tidy. <laughs> but, you know, they won by six. I mean, it was a close game. It was a fourth-quarter game. You go to the other – on the other hand, let's see, what did they do against Vanderbilt? Pearson, what's your guess since you were dead on – that one. Oh, well, I just looked at that yesterday. Okay. Um, Vanderbilt, I'm going to say they ran for 270. 323. Woo! So that skewed it a little bit. Vanderbilt's not very good. Um, <laughs> no, let, let me ask, let me throw a question in there while you're okay, formulating. Go what do you think Georgia has averaged on the ground against South Carolina since Kirby and Will Muschamp got to their respective schools? So basically the, three, so three the last years? three games, what do you think Georgia has averaged on the ground? One year it was a lot. Yeah. Um, all right, I'm gonna go 268. Whew. Oh man, I love that we have this many guessing games on the pod because I love guessing games. I'm gonna go. I'll go a little lower. I'll go. I'll go 248. 280. Ooh. Oh goodness, yeah. that's even, that's worse than I thought. Yeah. 280. That's bad. Yep. Okay, so um, I mean, there, there's no <laughs> no Chubb or Michelle, um, <laughs> but there's DeAndre Swift and Brian Harrion, who's really good. Brian Harrion was on the 1980 Georgia team, also I think, <laughs> along with Will Muschamp. Rodrigo with Blankenship too. <laughs> he predated Will Muschamp. Um, Two fifty. I'm going. I will. I will sell that Georgia gets to two fifty. I think it'll be relatively close. They mm-hmm. say two twenty five ish or something like that. I always do that. I say it's going to be close to whatever, you know. The day, but, <laughs> it's a good pick, but whatever. I'm I'm going to sell as well, just because I think South Carolina is going to sell their soul to <laughs> stop the run. And if looking at the game last year, and I don't think Georgia's receivers are quite obviously they're not as um, experienced as they were last year. They're still pretty talented, but it seemed like last year Georgia was just sort of yo-yoing South Carolina's defense back and forth. If Carolina had a guy in the box, they're throwing the quick screen stuff to the outside, and they were too fast for South Carolina. If their safety's out of the box, they're running the football. I think I think it's going to be a Jake Fromm, just short pass, short pass, short pass, frustrating game for South Carolina fans to watch mm. where he just sort of – I mean, if you, if you take away the run game, which is difficult, but if, even if you slow the run game, Fromm will just pick you apart to death, and um, I think that's more likely. I, I, I I'm gonna say under or sell. How uh, how many back breaking third down third and six back shoulder throws from Jake Fromm? Yeah, over he, under's what three and a half? Yeah, something like that. I'll take the over. I'll take the over. Yeah, yeah he's exactly. he's I think I think way better than given credit for. I Is agree. he the best quarterback in the SEC right now? Ooh. That's an interesting one. I say yes. Hmm. Better than it, two, huh? Yeah. Because two can just I think two is the third best quarterback in the SEC right now. You, you, Joseph Burrow? I am really on the Burrow train. That guy did some things last year that impressed me. And I should also add this as a caveat. When I say best quarterback in the SEC, what I'm really talking about is which one of these guys is the best pro prospect, like the best kind of pure quarterback. Right, yeah. And I, and in that case, I, I like... Burrow's had a better season so far than Fromm, statistically, but also Fromm's done it for longer. Burrow obviously played last year, wasn't amazing last year. He had his moments, and then has just been outstanding this year. So, I don't know. It's like those two guys and them two. But um, I'll save I'll save some more of my Fromm thoughts because that's part of our next buy or sell. This one's really tough for me because I definitely think Georgia's going to win the game comfortably, not by 50, but probably get like right at the spread, maybe cover the spread. So there will be, there will be a lot of time at the end of the game where they're just kind of running the clock out. But I really want to believe 
in the progress that Carolina's front seven have made. Because unquestionably they have. And if Carolina gives up a bunch of yards, it's not necessarily an indictment on that group, I don't think, so much as it is just credit to Georgia. The thing that concerns me, though, is Harry and Swift are probably the best running backs that Carolina's seen since Williams, Williams, and um, Michael, not Michael Dyer, he's played Auburn. Who's the Michael? Michael Carter. Michael Carter, thank you. Michael Carter and the two Williams kids. This is probably the best backfield they've seen since that game, is it, right? Yeah. I mean, better than better than Roundtree and Beatty. Better, I mean, Kentucky's offense didn't exist. Better than Alabama's running backs? Well, Alabama's Robinson running and back. Robinson and Harris? Yeah, I mean, th- those guys are really talented. I mean, Harris killed South Carolina in the passing game. You know, I would say obviously. better than them as far as what they've what they've shown, shown this year, yeah. yeah what they've shown this year level. for sure. This, yeah. this, I and these guys are better than North Carolina's backs too. They are, but I'm th- I'm thinking is the second best backfield that Carolina's seen. North Carolina's backfield, and if so, that kind of has to have Carolina fans shaking in their boots. Now, I think the team and the defense has made a lot of strides since then. I think the defensive line's playing a lot better than they were in that first game, especially if we see Carolina. I mean, just basically going with seven guys in the box instead of six. I mean, that could that could make a huge difference. That could have made a huge difference in the North Carolina game, but. That has me scared. So as much as I want to pick with Carolina's improved defensive line and linebackers and I guess like tactical defensive moves that may help them theoretically stop the run better, I'm gonna buy it. Just because I think they're gonna I think they're just gonna pound it. And they're gonna be doing it all game. So y'all are both selling, yeah. I'm buying. Yeah, and I go. think um I think this sort of puts us on the topic of what I think is the biggest key to the game among many keys is this Georgia offensive line, sort of what you're talking about, Georgia offensive line, and it was the same way last year, is just massive. This is the biggest line South Carolina will face. And I felt like last year, you know, early in the season, you know, we were talking about South Carolina's defensive front, the defensive line in particular, and we thought they were going to be improved. And Georgia, was that week two last year? Or week three? I thought it was was three last year. It was was early. We'll, We'll just leave it at that. It was early. And I felt like the South Carolina defensive line sort of got uh, brought back down to earth very quickly in that game by that that big offensive front. But and unquestionably a better unit it, this year than last year. I mean, Ken Law's taking a step, Sterling's well, taking a step, and you have the rest of those guys rounding out the rotation like yeah, they did that, in last year. Yeah, and that, that's the point I'm getting to. This, to me, is sort of a benchmark, sort of, okay, how, how did they fare against these guys comparatively – to what we saw last year in this same game because you do have uh, about the same personnel, but they're all a year older, a year improved. They've played very, very well. I think other, you know, we talked about it, other than two just main big drives against North Carolina, um, this this defensive line, and even, even against North Carolina, I think it was more about a lot of missed tackles than it was actually the defensive line not playing well. I think the defensive line has played pretty well this year. So I, I'm curious to see how they match up with the biggest, possibly best offensive line that they're, they've they seen so far this year. That's the test. And if they can play them straight up, how much they have to throw in. I don't want to say like gimmicks, but how much do they play these guys straight up? Because Carolina's mostly been able to do that and, and win that battle on a scrimmage at least the last couple games. Um Defensively, but we will uh, we'll see how and many. Kentu- Kentucky as bad as they are offensively, their offensive line was the strength a, of their team. Yeah, a pretty good offensive yeah. line. And going back over that game, Carolina's front just dominated them. I mean, they're playing behind, not just you know stalemating them. They're playing behind the line of scrimmage. So that uh, if if Carolina can do, if Carolina wins that battle, then all of a sudden the twenty five. Then, then I, I th- we'll get to that later. But all of a sudden, twenty five is way too big of a number for me. I'm not saying South Carolina's winning the game, but if that one sort of just matchup goes Carolina's way, mm-hmm. I think it's a little different. What if game. it's neutral though? If it's neutral, then I mean, we're saying Georgia wins either way. Does Carolina yeah. have to win that basically to cover the spread in your estimation? I, I think or if so. it's neutral, can they still keep it to like seventeen? I think it depends on all the other factors at that point. But if it's neutral, that's when Georgia's backs are still just so good. Mm-hmm. You know, right? It's tough. And, and then Jake Fromm is is so good. And you know, well, Muschamp talked about he gets them in the right plays right. at all times too. Well, the other thing that you know, for as much as Kentucky's offensive line was 
But, I mean, that's a good line. Like I said, that was the strength of their team statistically coming into the season, at least according to the pro football focus numbers, are coming into that game. Uh, but they're good, but they're not good and also an average weight of, like, 340 across yes. all five positions. And that's just really hard when you have guys that are that are athletic and smart and good at what they do and have played together and are also that big. Um, Solomon Kinley, I think, may like he's still a little bit up in the air. I think he was back at practice, but whether or not he's going to be starting for them, he's someone that's been a starter for them. Um this season, I don't know how much of a how much of a difference that would make in terms of the continuity, but um, either way, y'all are selling. I'm buying that Georgia will reach its average rushing yards per game total. Uh, next buy or sell, Ryan Helensky throws for more yards than Jake from State Farm. Yeah, that is a tough one. Given my answer earlier, I'll just go ahead and sell. Okay. I'll sell too. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm, I'm going to buy this. Okay. We disagree on everything. So because you think the rushing total. Well, I think the rushing total. So how many games has Jake Fromm attempted more than thirty passes this year? I assume you know the answer. I'd go zero. It is zero. <laughs> um, zero in five games. Uh, Ryan Helensky's gone over thirty passing attempts in all of the games except for one. Uh, he's also gone over three hundred yards more times this season than Jake Fromm has in one fewer game. They both have two two hundred plus yard passing games he's just not asked to do a lot and that's uh, i don't want that to be like a, a criticism on jake Fromm because when they do ask him to to make a play to make a throw he does it fantastically he's he's like the word game manager has a bad rap now because everyone thinks it means alex smith but i'm telling you that year that uh i mean i guess they made the super bowl anyway but that year that colin kaepernick took over for alex smith when he was out for the season with a concussion I think San Francisco would have won the Super Bowl if they had Alex Smith in there because they just needed somebody. And maybe I'm just getting too lost in like my old takes from 2012 <laughs> when I was doing a sports talk radio show at Furman on the station that didn't even have a signal. It was like no one was listening to it. But point is, game manager has a bad rap because people think that means Alex Smith. People think Alex Smith's bad. But Jake Fromm is the best version of a game manager where he doesn't lose you the game. He he can step up, I think, and, and make some some big throws and big moments because oh, yeah. we've seen him yeah. do it. Yeah. The SEC championship game, game last year was, I mean, he was magnificent for most of that game. But they're not going to ask him to do too much other than make over three and a half back shoulder throws on a third and six <laughs> well, <laughs> to I mean, break Carolina fans' hearts and souls. But uh, And also the fact that they're going to have the lead. I could, see, I could see Georgia winning by 24 and Jake Fromm has 210 yards, and Holinsky throws for, like, 380 because Carolina's just chasing the game the whole time. If he has 210 yards, though, he'll be, like, 21 of 23. And yeah. Something super yeah. efficient. His, his two last stat lines, um, Notre Dame, 20 of 26, one touchdown, no turnovers, and then against Tennessee, who we know is bad, but still 24 of 29, 288, two touchdowns, no no picks. He's just he's tidy, like mm-hmm. I said. Yeah, very tidy. He does, not, he does not turn the ball over. Well, and to go back to the offensive line, too, like, He's never under pressure. Do you know how many sacks Georgia's given up this year? Yes, one. One <laughs> freaking sack in the Murray State game. Yeah. It's not even a real sack. That didn't even count. Zero sacks this year for all intents and purposes. That's unbelievable. And, and that, I mean, that that is definitely part of why, like, I think, he's a, I think he's a great pro prospect, maybe the best in the NFL, but if you put him behind the Browns' offensive line or the Texans' offensive line, <laughs> he's going he's gonna to look like, you know, uh, I'm trying to think who's the worst quarterback in the NFL right now. Maybe Joe Flacco. He's going to look horrible. Well, and, you know, you talked about T-Rob being on Carolina calls. His biggest key for South Carolina was to create negative plays and get Georgia off schedule. Well, they've allowed one sack, and they've allowed 15 total tackles for loss on the entire season for a total of 43 tackles for loss yardage. So less this year, than, less than three per tackle for loss. Yes, which is disgusting. Also, the best number in the SEC as far as that stat goes. South Carolina actually tied for second, believe it or not, which hmm. um, is nice progress for that bunch. But anyway, very difficult. If that's the key to winning, that's a very, very tough key to actually <laughs> hit. So- South yeah. Carolina's tied for tackles for loss allowed. Mm-hmm. Second, okay, that's, that is really good. Yeah. Shout out to Carolina's running backs. Mon Denson averaging seven yards per carry after contact, or seven yards after contact. All their running backs running through contact and avoiding contact. It's, nope. it's fun to see. We've talked about Georgia's defense a lot. Who do y'all think has more defensive tackles for loss, Georgia 
or South Carolina? I'm going to say South Carolina. I'm going to say Georgia. South Carolina is correct. Really? South Carolina is tied for with a bunch of other teams at 34th in the country. Hmm. Um, they have 33 tackles for loss, and I would have to effort where Georgia is right now. But I, I, I also would have thought South Car- that Georgia would have been higher, just eye test, mm-hmm. but they're not. They're tied for 65th. They have – they only have 16. Now, they played one less game, but they have 16 through four games. South Carolina through five games has 33, and probably 29 of those 33 were against Kentucky. Wait, they only Wait. have four games recorded because they <laughs> yeah. both played five Georgia. games. Georgia. Yeah, five okay. Well, this, this stat got, said four. You got outdated numbers. Ooh. Do I? Let me see what this is from. Because they're 5-0. They're yeah, they're 5-0. They are 5-0. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Vanderbilt, Notre Dame, Murray State. Uh, All right, is it not counting – all right, college. No, it was should count. Yeah, should Cf, CFBstats.com oh, has both teams with exactly 35 tackles for loss. Okay. What? Ah. All right, this is the NC- – I, I apologize to all the listeners and to y'all. This is the NCAA's official site, so they're also incompetent. I was going to say, are you telling me you're surprised what? that the NCAA is incompetent? You okay, so why, how do they get it that bad? I mean, this is the – They didn't the tr- have the Tennessee the last week in there. So Georgia had – 17 ta- – well, okay, probably, yeah. Uh. <laughs> I mean, literally, what did I say it was? 15, like 15 tackles for loss is the stat I gave in West. You said 33? 35. Is it really 35? 15? I think it was like 15. Let me look. Let they me may see have what. had 20 tackles for loss against Tennessee. The NC- yeah, the NCAA site says they had 16, and you said 35, so that would be 19 against Tennessee? Huh. I, I mean, surely, it's, it's surely possible. the NCAA – Site is, I don't it know. says these are updated. Oh, okay. They haven't updated it in a week. Okay. It says it's last updated September 29th, so they haven't updated it. Mm. Like, yeah. Lately. I always use cfbstats.com. I mean, is that possible? We'll have to look up how many tackles for loss Georgia had against Tennessee. I, it would surprise me and it wouldn't surprise me. That was a weird game. You know, 43 14 wasn't really indicative of the game, but Georgia is 29 points better than Tennessee. I don't know. That was kind of a weird game. That was a strange game. So, are, are we doing a... I can't remember. Sorry. Are we doing a buy, and sell, buy or sell based on the spread, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Next. All right. All right. Yeah, so I, had, the, so I had a little something for two, that. So. Our two sort of companion buy or sells with Georgia's rushing yards and Fromm versus Linsky's passing yards. It makes sense that y'all would sell one and buy the other, and I did the same, although we flip-flopped. But that also makes it sound like that neither of us are buying that Georgia... This isn't one of ours, but it sounds like Y'all think Carolina will limit Georgia to, like, around 500 yards or fewer? Yeah. I mean, I th- I think Carolina hangs in there. Um, so when do, when does it get out of Is it like the Alabama game where it's two and a half quarters and then they pull away? It, you think it's a game in the fourth quarter? I think it's going to be tough to be a game in the fourth quarter. But I, I, I think, I think you know, I talked about the defensive line versus their offensive line. The other key for me – is Ryan Helensky just settling in, being himself on the road, you know, put the Missouri game behind you and, and just go play ball. If, if he does that and can sort of – if he can manage the game, then I think Carolina hangs in. Georgia probably – you know, Georgia's a team that um, under Kirby, especially when they're the the better team, I feel like they'll they'll take their field goals. Like, they don't really have to – take a lot of chances. They'll, you know, if they're up by 10, they have an, an easy chip shot field goal, they're going to take their three points and well, push it to easy chip shot field goal for Rodrigo Blankenship is like you cross midfield. Exactly. That's so, another guy that's been there since 1850. Yeah, so, I mean, I I think Georgia will control the game probably and probably maybe not even feel threatened, but I don't think they're just going to, like, boat race South Carolina to where the score is, you know, a huge differential for most of the game. I, I think Georgia sort of controls it business-like, probably gets the win, but South Carolina hangs around is, is what I think is the most likely scenario. So for buy or sell, South Carolina covers the spread, which right now is at 25 points. We'll do 25. Okay, I don't 25. Like we'll do 25. You're going to buy that. I'm I'm buying. I think it's like a – I'm going to say it's a three-touchdown, like a 21-point game. Okay. I will also buy that they covered. I mean – Pearson, you're right about the, the, the Tennessee-Georgia game was an odd one. Um, that ended up being a 29-point win for Georgia. 
Some stati- That's why sometimes you can't do a lot with stats. Some of the stats, if you looked at them, you'd, if you didn't know the score, and you go, okay, Tennessee, mm-hmm. like they did all right. There. Well, I mean, that game was okay. So it was fourteen to, it was fourteen to ten. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Georgia scored to. I'm trying to remember because there there was a there was a weird sequence of events as last couple possessions because Georgia was up twenty six fourteen at the half, but it was like I think maybe uh, maybe Tennessee missed a field goal with an opportunity to go up seventeen to ten. And then Georgia scored, and then what was it? So it was it was ten seven Georgia. Tennessee scored to go up fourteen ten. Georgia came back with a field goal. Oh right, that was so it was right. so it was fourteen thirteen. And it was twenty to fourteen when Tennessee missed a field goal. Right, would have cut it. So that would have cut yeah, cut it to twenty seventeen. And then Georgia scores with nine seconds to go in the first half to make it twenty six fourteen. And a, you're like, okay, a one minute drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're kind of putting your putting your foot on their throat. But I mean, they're. One one-minute drive and a missed field goal away from being down by three going into the half. And I feel like the, the complexion of the game sort of changes at that point. Not that Tennessee would have won, but, yeah. I mean, 29 doesn't feel exactly representative of what happened in that game, which is, again, weird because, I I mean, obviously Georgia is 29 points better than Tennessee, but on that yeah. day, um, it was, was kind of weird. So. And, and the reason, one of the reasons I'm buying is because, you know, I do look at, you know, again, the transitive property thing I, I don't believe in. Georgia could come out and play their best game. South Carolina could lay an egg, and then it could get out of hand. I mean, uh, Georgia's capable of turning that type of performance in. But for me, I look at Tennessee. There were some weird things in that game that South Carolina can't allow to happen or it'll get out of hand. Uh, the the Vandy-Georgia game, on the road at Vandy, not exactly a hard environment to go play in, 30-6 to six for Georgia. You know, they, they were up 21-6 to six at the half. We're always in control sort of piddled around in the second half, didn't play all that well, didn't do a lot, had to punt some. Vandy still didn't do anything offensively, but Vandy's bad. Yeah. They're very bad. And, and 30 they to 6 would have been a cover. And they kept it at 24. Mm-hmm. So I think South Carolina, even though this is a road game, yeah, I think they're right now probably markedly better than Vanderbilt, I think. Definitely. Um, And, and it's better than Tennessee right now, too. So I, I do look at that a little bit when you're trying to, not to determine, okay, South Carolina can win this game, but just what does the spread look like? And um, obviously Vegas has their reasons for setting it there. Uh, they they normally know a lot more than I do about it. But I will I will say South Carolina keeps it closer than that. I'm going to buy – wait, y'all bought that Carolina would cover the spread. Would cover, so yeah. I'm selling that Carolina's going to cover the spread because – So we're all going – Yeah, well, y'all agreed on everything, opposite. and I disagree <laughs> with y'all on, yes. on right. each of our three. Seeing as how I'm terrible at these – it's not a good sign. <laughs> yeah, for, I don't know what my record is this season, but I feel we, like it's this pretty week good, we're but. tracking it. Okay, for next week. All right, cool. Okay, all right, perfect. Um, I yeah, I think as weird as that Tennessee game was, and it was in Knoxville, and they had the excitement of Mar starting his first game and threw that long touchdown, and it was the whole big deal, and it was emotional and cool and exciting. They had all that going for them. Played pretty well in the first half, and still lost by twenty nine. Now this is between the hedges. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's not as much sort of emotional stake in the game for Carolina as there was for Tennessee. And not that I think, like, you, because I I really like the phrase and I want to use it more. I don't think Georgia's going to boat race Carolina. But it feels like a game where they could be up 13 to 20 the whole time and then just, like, one or two big runs, a big pass, busted coverage, something at the end, puts it over. So I feel like Georgia will cover late. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think it will be that close for the majority of the game. So I'm going to sell. I think I think it'll be a, I don't know. Oh, oh, geez. Now I'm now I'm like thinking of a score prediction, and I'm kind of like reassessing my my selling. But it could be like it could be like 45 to 17. I could see that. I think uh, to your point with the players Georgia has at running back and what we've seen of South Carolina's defense. Um, much champ talked about it on Tuesday. This defense has been like really, and maybe you can say this about every defense that's sort of, you know, middle of the pack statistically, but there's been times where this defense has looked really, really good. But then when they start, especially some of the teams they've played, if you start, if you miss a tackle here or there, the, you give up a really big play. And Georgia's the type team, it's kind of like a pitcher who makes like two bad pitches and but he gives up two three run homers. Mm-hmm. Georgia has the type backs where you know they talked about South Carolina's talked about needing to be more consistent on defense and 
not having these little lapses mentally. Georgia's a type team where you could play them great for three quarters, but you have a couple of lapses, and then Swift has two 65-yard runs for touchdown. And that that's, I think, where you get to sort of that, you know, put away at the end thing where, where Georgia just sort of you get tired, they wear you down, wear you down, wear and you down. And the depth they have. Yeah, they I mean, have Carolina, depth. Carolina if, doesn't. If and this were a game where you're only allowed to have 22 players, <laughs> and it was Carolina versus Georgia, Georgia would still win, but I bet they'd be like a 13-point favorite. Yeah, so they, they just wear you down, wear you down, mm-hmm. and then that seven-yard run, there's one missed tackle at the end of it, and they have the type guys that can turn that seven into 70, and then you're you're buried. Um, quick, Quickly, is, is there any value – to not that Tennessee I don't I don't know if Georgia even sees Tennessee as a rival anymore. <laughs> but is there any value to Georgia's rolling right now from you know, this big win at Tennessee, they crushed them. Noon kickoff, the you know, this isn't a game the fan base is gonna be partic- you know, they're used to now playing for SEC championships and playing for national championships two years ago. Um you're a little bit late arriving is there any value to the fact that this is a noon kickoff and that the fan base may be a little bit asleep for the first half of the first quarter? 100%. Because that's why you play the game. I really believe in that. I mean, think back to 2005 when they had two preseason like Heisman watchlist guys and Noshawn Moreno and Matt Stafford. And Carolina went in there, and they were one Mike Davis fumble away from stealing that game. That was in Williams-Bryce. But wait, no, it wasn't in Williams-Bryce. If it was 2005, that would have been in Athens, right? Because we're in an odd year. Was that in Athens? That the, the Mike Davis fumble? No, Mike Davis fumble was definitely in Columbia. I thought just, so. Maybe that was 2006. Have been 2005. Yeah, I guess that was 2006. Um, and that was like 10 to 7 or 10 to 3 or something like that. I don't know what the spread was on that game. But it was a game that going into it, I, I didn't, I mean, I don't remember thinking Carolina really had a shot. Now, I mean, I think this is different because, again, you, t- you talk about the depth. And look, in 2006, I was 13. I didn't, I wasn't following football like I, like I am now. So I don't know, but I'm just saying there's a reason you go out there and play the game. I think the noon kickoff is is no small factor, mm. um, especially given, you know, I don't know. I, I don't think that was an emotional win for Georgia, but, I mean, they were in a close game early. They probably had to fight and claw a little more in that game than they expected they would have to. How Muschamp's talked a little bit, uh, he talked about on the SEC Film Room special, starting fast, and Carolina's actually had good drives four of their five games to start, um, I believe, how big would just an er- an early touchdown from South Carolina just go down the field? Hey, we're you know we're here. We're not going to just lay down. I-, I think how South Carolina starts this game, and maybe you can say that about any big road game, but how Carolina starts this game, I think will have a big determining factor in how this game sort of plays out as far as if they're actually in the football game or this is the game like I talked about where Georgia just sort of controls the whole the whole way out. All they need to do is score on the first drive and then get an interception, score on the second drive and then force a punt and have A. Sanders take it back to the house. That's it. And then you're and then you're right in the game. Then have Connor Shaw run for a bunch of first downs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If only. All right, well, that'll do it for buy or sell. And uh, before we get out of here, Carolina did not have a game last weekend, obviously, so we don't have a winner of the Schlafkies Challenge. Uh, but, Wesley, tell the beautiful people listening to this podcast how they can play and win the Schlafkies Challenge and what they're going to win. Yeah, the Schlafkies tailgating trade giveaway is up and running on Gamecock Central right now if you're a the premium subscriber, hop on the Insiders Forum. If you're not, you can still play on the Fighting Gamecocks Forum. And uh, we, of course, want to thank Slotskis for sponsoring our contest and the podcast. Uh, if you win the contest, you actually get a uh, $60 free tailgating tray from Slotskis Deli. You can pick it up before the game. Um, or if you're uh, you know, going to watch a road game at home, you can go and uh, pick it up on a Saturday and uh, watch it from your house. But um, 529 Bush River Road, Columbia, South Carolina, or 1305 Knox Abbott Drive. Casey, South Carolina, um, great food. I know we all three have stopped in the last couple of weeks and mm-hmm. gotten lunch and yep. uh, gotten some. I got some Cinnabons. You had a uh, huge chocolate chip cookie that yep. looked amazing. And, uh, and one of those Italian sandwiches. I can't remember because I have a couple Italian sandwiches. I can't remember which one I got, but one of the Italian sandwiches, the one with roasted red pepper that I really like. Mm. Oh yeah, Mm-mm. fantastic. Um, so yeah, play that Insiders Forum, Fighting Gamecock Insiders. Yeah, it's Insiders Forum, right? And yep. Fighting Gamecock Forum. Yep, either one. Um, either one. 
uh, Fighting Gamecock if you're not a subscriber. But if you're not a subscriber and you want to be, you can get a month for free as a subscriber by using the exclusive podcast code GCPOD. Um, and it's a great time to be doing it during football season. Basketball season is right around the corner. So um, don't want to miss any of the insider information that we got going on. As all the Gamecock sports sort of, uh, I guess, really, really get into it here. Like I said, basketball starting, football season entering a very, very crucial stretch. Maybe a fun stretch. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen on Saturday? Uh, are either of y'all going to Athens? No, we will no. not be there. But no. uh, Colin Taylor will be live and in person, repping. Yep, mm-hmm. for Very good. Yeah, I think I'll, I might be. I might be a la Playa this weekend, actually, which will which will be nice. Probably take the edge off of Carolina getting smoked. Do we make final score predictions on this show usually? Usually, no. No, I don't think I don't think. No, Why, you got a score? No, not really. I just didn't know if y'all wanted to. Um, completely off the top of my head. I'm gonna say thirty-four seventeen. Okay. Well, oh, that's a cover. That's a that's a strong cover. I'm just gonna say Cox by ninety. <laughs> that's your prediction. I guess we're a bar stool yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Forty forty two to seventeen a, oh man, that's a push. Yeah. That's that's twenty five. Yeah, you're right. I go forty two seventeen with a late score for Georgia to get it to a push. And Carolina would move to then. Oh geez, would they be two, three, and one against the spread on the season? Is that right? I don't know. I'll have to do that research some other time. I'll have it for you next week. Um, for Chris, for Wes, thank y'all so much for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, share it with your friends if you like it and you want us to do more of it. Enjoy the game this weekend, and we will talk to you next week. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads Money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager. Only $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York.